You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everybody it's the last trade talk tuesday of the off season officially here on the phnx coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings sportsbook app america's top rated sportsbook app don't forget to hit that like button subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review i'm leah merrill here with craig morgan and steve peters how you guys doing today ramping up ramping up Getting ready for the season. It's, it really is around the corner now. Yeah, you start looking at that calendar and you go, oh, my God, really? Like, we got games on all of those days and we got, oh, what? Like, it's coming. It's coming. I know. Like it's, and, and the other thing is you get on the NHL network and you see, oh, my goodness, there are games on TV. And you're like, oh, wow, it's, it's that time of year again. Here we go. Too bad that the local Arizona Coyotes are not on television and they will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma tonight and we won't get to watch or listen. Well, maybe Bob Heathouse won't be there, but maybe somebody, somebody else's stream. Yeah, it'll be through somebody else's eyes, through the Dallas Stars' eyes. Who knows? Who knows? Well, it is ramping up. It's exciting. Um, we all know that this isn't going to be the the greatest season of all time for the Arizona Coyotes, but that's okay because it's building towards something bigger and better. Um, and that, I trust me, there's a connection here. That leads us into today's Trade Talk Tuesday because at the time of this trade, maybe there was the thought that this was going to lead to something bigger and better. Um, and we'll, we'll go into how it all worked out and panned out. But we're going to talk about the Taylor Hall trade today. Um, to start on December 16th, 2019, the Arizona Coyotes acquired Taylor Hall and Blake Spears from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for Nate Schnarr and Nick Merkley Kevin Ball, a 2020 conditional first-round pick, and a 2021 conditional third-round pick. What was going on at the time of this? I mean, I remember this trade, but Craig, you were really there, so yeah. can you let's lay the groundwork for why this went down. I was still at the Athletic at this point, and I must have written half a dozen stories related to Taylor Hall ahead of this trade because the Coyotes were rumored to be in the mix, of course as is usually the case with uh, fan bases around North America. Nobody thought the Coyotes would be the team to actually land Taylor Hall, um, but they, they, they certainly were in the mix. And just going back to that particular time in the season, first off, uh, when the Coyotes pulled the trigger on this trade, it's important to remember they were in first place in the Pacific Division. 
They were, I think they were actually tied in points with Vegas at the time. Vegas. But they were, yep. Yeah. Third overall in the Western conference playing very well. And I talked to John Chica right after the trade and, and, and some of what he said, I understood the thinking, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, he talked about what a game changing player Taylor Hall is an electric player, one of his favorites to watch. And, and when he started digging into some of the deeper analytics of how he impacts the game and impacts his teammates, he just thought it was it made a lot of sense, but more so than that, John Shaika was also looking at what the Coyotes were doing on the ice, and you'll hear a lot of GMs say this: when your team is playing well, and we were almost halfway into the season at that point, you want to reward them. You want to say, "Hey, I'm committed to you. I like what you're doing. I'm going to try and bolster this team even more." And that's what he said. I think we've got a good, solid foundation. We got a lot of important pieces in place. I would have regretted not giving them the opportunity to hopefully realize the chance to contend for a Stanley Cup. So that was his reasoning at the time. Two days before this trade goes down, Taylor Hall, then a New Jersey Devil, is in Arizona at Gila River Arena because the Devils are playing the Coyotes. But Taylor Hall is not in the lineup because Ray Shero, the GM at the time, was holding him out to protect his asset. This, this ended up being the entire lead of my story when they made the trade. And sorry for being so long-winded, but he was up in the press box. And I'm just I'm up in the press box on my phone, just texting someone. He walks right past me, clearly on the phone with his agent, Darren Ferris. Stops about 25 yards from me so I can hear the entire conversation. I ended up writing about it. One thing that I left out of it, though, was Taylor Hall's evaluation of what he was seeing from the Coyotes. And that was basically... I don't know if these guys have enough scoring. I don't know if they have the firepower up front to score enough goals to win games. Literally said that to his agent. And yet, two days later, Taylor Hall was a Coyote, and I think this was a shocker to a lot of people to see a team like Arizona pull the trigger on this sort of deal. PD. It's, it's the timing. I know. The timing of this one, you're right. I It's early. Well, it's not even early, but... The timing is everything you said is right. And you go back to the, the you got to go back to the year before this trade. And you look at this team in 1819, there wasn't a 20 goal score on the entire roster. You know who led this team in goals? Brad Richardson and Alex Galchenyuk. So that's your goal scoring power of the team that led up to the team that adds Taylor. Hall. What they, yeah, with 19. And what are they doing the, over the summer? A couple of interesting things happen that help. This is all precluding this trade and things that led up to it. One is Phil Kessel comes in. Rick Tockett is coaching the team. This is a way to help to the offense, and he needed to get out of Pittsburgh, and this is going to be a good marriage, and the offense is going to start coming, and this is the right guy, and here comes Phil Kessel. Well, another thing happens in August of that year of 2019 is Alec Morello takes over the team. So you have, now you have a new owner. So you've got a new owner, you've got a new goal scorer, and you've got the hopes of, okay, maybe we're starting to come out of a rebuild that we've been struggling with for a long time. And at that time, when you you're still starting to look at Taylor Hall, your leading goal production guys are Keller and Garland and Schmaltz. And you go, okay, there's something there. Maybe we need to add top of it. And I think there was pressure for John Chike to, hey, we need to do something now. Like we've got a new owner. We've got to show that, hey, we're trying to win in this community. And Alex Morello said, yeah, we're going to win. We want to win. So I think there was some pressure under John Chike to make a move. The one thing about the Taylor Hall move, Hey, he's a dynamic offensive player in this league. And at that time, he was elite. And you're going, okay, does he fit? Is the right guy for the right time? And it's a rental. Like, are, are we sure? Are we sure? 
and to Craig's point, if this team is not in first place in the middle of December, I don't think they're making a run at Taylor Hall, but you get excited. It's December 19th. You're in first place going, holy shit. Like we actually, we haven't made the playoffs in seven seasons. We haven't been in the yeah. playoffs in seven years. This might be the year John Chek is going, okay, finally, maybe we're turning the corner. The owner's getting excited. Yes, we can go for it. Rick Talk, it's like, God, we're right there. Let's go. And so I think all of those things led up to bringing a player like Taylor Hall into the Arizona Coyotes. And we'll talk more about did he fit and yeah. what happened next. And it was like you said, too, it was incremental building under Taki. Remember how he started the first season where they didn't win the entire first month. Second year, they were competitive. They were in they were in the chase for the playoffs late. And then this third year, almost halfway through the season, you're in first place. So you could say, look at look at the trajectory this team is on. Maybe this is the time to pull the trigger. Yeah, and they were that, that season before they had 86 points, and you go, okay, look at this is coming. And they were they were playoff chase for two weeks into okay, they are turning the corner. And this is where you talk about a rebuild where the coyotes are now in, in the 2022-23 season. You gotta go, okay, you gotta be careful because are you really through the rebuild yet? And and this is the you know, you've talked about the patience of Bill Armstrong and the current management. This is the time and this is the moment where that can change, and that's what happened to the coyotes then. Now there are a lot of factors after the trade occurs that spin this thing out of control. And <laughs> they are, 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 are they Taylor Hall's fault? Eh. There's a couple things and I'm going to get to the big one. I don't know if we're jumping into this too early, but Taylor Hall comes in, plays his first game in San Jose, gets a point. I, I flew up there. I wasn't going on that road trip and the athletics like you got to go up and chronicle that. And I literally chronicled his entire first day from the moment he stepped off the plane on like a flew overnight, got no sleep to him setting up Oliver Ekman Larson for the game winning goal on that hustle play that he made. Yeah. Makes a great play in the third period, win the game three, two in San Jose and, and, and the Taylor Hall era has begun. Mm -hmm. And then Minnesota comes to town <laughs> and it was December 19th of 2019 and here is the change of the entire season happens on that night darcy kemper's the number one goalie of this team playing incredibly well having a great season to this point leading this team into first place he has not played particularly well against the minnesota wild in his horrible career. horrible and so you They're go like okay tonight yeah, and he, you know what? He gets he gets fired up. The 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 players that he's played with before, because he played in Minnesota, they start chirping in his ears, and they skating by. His emotions get high. He starts pushing and shoving. It gets he just gets knocked out of his game. Now I think he's matured since that point. I don't know if that's part of his game anymore. Clearly, he wins the Stanley Cup, so I think he's fine. So this is not Darcy Kemper bashing time. He just the coaching staff knew it. They knew what his record was against this team. Darcy's getting that night off. Then Anti Ranta comes in hurt to practice that morning. And now it's, oh, shit, Kemper's got to play. He's got to play. There is no choice. Darcy Kemper has to play against the Minnesota Wild. And guess what? The game does not go well. And not only does it not go well, it goes horrifically wrong. Um, he gives up five goals through two periods. They're losing badly. But here's what happened. Instead of taking Darcy out, he had the bad body language. He had all of those things. Like, gosh, maybe you should take Darcy Kemper out of this game because clearly this is not going the right way for the Minnesota or against the Minnesota Wild. What happened is the Coyotes get a late goal at the end of the second period. And the coaching staff at that time goes, gosh, maybe we can get back into this game. Maybe we can sneak back into this game. And Darcy Kemper stays on the ice. And I know this is long-winded about the Taylor Hall trade, but what happens in the third period? Kemper ends up giving up eight goals, looked horrifically out of place, swimming all over. But with the end of this game in the third period, he gets run over. 
in a play at the net, pulls his groin, and misses the next two months. So now you're in first place. Your number one goalie who's been elite. You've got the new score. Everything's coming together. And Darcy goes down. And if you look at the record, they lose four of the next five and things started to tumble. So I don't look at it. Everybody goes, well, Taylor Hall gets here and they started to lose. No, their starting goalie got hurt. And then Antti Aranta gets hurt. And Aiden Hill is now your number one. That's what happened. And that's, you know, revisionist history. You look at it. Well, Taylor Hall came in and they started to suck. No, no. Their goaltending went down and they started giving up more goals than they were scoring. That's what happened. We talk about bad national narratives that dogged the Coyotes, that was the one that dogged them that season. Oh, look, Taylor Hall, when he comes in, the team starts losing. You can't win with Taylor Hall. And I kept saying it over and over again. They just lost a goalie who was playing at a Vezina Trophy caliber level. And by the way, the backup can't stay healthy either, so they can't rely on him. That's what's going on with this team, not Taylor Hall. And yet, that that narrative persisted. Petey, you have a really good stat that shows how much of an impact Taylor Hall made while he was here. Yeah, and you look at Taylor Hall and what he did for that team and what he provided offensively, right? And and, and he wasn't... I know people look at, and I say this too, he's a square square peg in a round hole, meaning I don't know if he had the tools around him, so Taylor Hall felt that he had to do more by himself. That was his personality. That's how he felt he needed to play. He needed to do it on his own. So... I look at I went back and I looked at the stats from the 1920 season after he joins the team and we keep an offensive stat in, in internally about how you're scoring chances and how what kind of an impact Taylor Hall had on the offense of the Arizona Coyotes in 1920 he had what was he was plus 123 in scoring chances plus 123 in how many games 30, from 36 to 70 so 34 games plus 123 to give an idea, the next closest player, he yeah, was a plus 123. The next closest player is Connor Garland was plus 78. And, and then beyond that, then it's Keller at 75. And then it drops way down to Kessel at 59. Hall was an offensive force for this team. He was creating chances. He was getting the puck up the ice. He was getting pucks to the net. They weren't always going in and he didn't, he felt he didn't have the people around him that could really help him. And what I think, hurt him more than anything in this team. Kind of to your point, what you said about the trade, he didn't know if the offense was there around him. Taylor Hall wanted to do it all by himself. And it's team game and you can't do it that way. And he always felt that if they were down a goal, I need to be on the ice. I need to have the puck. And I think that that mentality, he started to do so much on his own that it just didn't get the team over the hump. I, I, one thing I like about Taylor Hall, people, the, you hear it in the media, bad, bad guy, bad. Taylor Hall is not a bad guy at all. Mm-hmm. He's a very nice guy. He, he, he does want to win. He, he, he wants to learn. He wants to help. He would be in the video room after one-on-one and we just, he, he wanted to be better at the game and he wanted to be good at the game. He just felt this level of responsibility that had to be him that I have to do it. This team needs me because of what I'm being paid, what my status is in the media. I need to do it by myself. He is not a bad human being. He isn't. No, and I you agree. saw him in, in Boston. Look how he fits. He fits into a team. He plays second line and now he fits. That's where he needed to fit on that team. He just didn't quite fit here. Two and things it, before Leah holds up the quiet, please sign to both well, of us. Sorry. Wait, up. can I just make one comment really quick of course. about <laughs> that? What PD just described goes back to the thing that Craig just said that he heard Taylor Hall say on the phone where he said, I don't think this team has 
the offense. So he it sounds like he took it upon himself to be that guy, maybe in a way that didn't exactly work out. But yeah, it wasn't Craig. always within the system. And and I wanted to ask you about that, Peter. But to underscore that point about who Taylor Hall is a person, fantastic interview. Not just not just okay, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take my two minutes and and talk to you. He was engaged when you were talking to him. He was insightful, really bright, articulate, insightful guy. I had fantastic interviews with Taylor Hall. I remember going back to Scotiabank's Aldome. Of course, he's from Calgary, and he talked about his memories. It made for a fantastic story when we were up there. I wonder, Petey, and I don't know because you, you can certainly have playmaking from the wings, but in some ways, it, I, I think Taylor Hall is probably a more complete player than the guy I'm going to bring up. But in some ways, this reminded me of when the Coyotes brought on Tony Amante. Okay, here's a guy who scored a lot of goals with the Blackhawks, but do you have a center to play with him? Do you think that that was part of the problem with the Coyotes, their center depth, or at least their top six center depth? We've said that all the time about this team, yeah. and that I think that led to the fact that, that Taylor all thought he had to do it himself. I don't think he had that that either that that center that could get him the puck or that the Taylor Hall could feed the puck too. And I, again, I go back to Boston where he could play both sides of the puck. He could be a playmaker because of the people he's playing with. I mean, he played with Pasternak for a long time last season at the end of the year. So he had people on his line that was able to help get the puck too, as well as get the puck back. So I, I definitely think that there was an element of that. But beyond all of these factors and all of these things, with the goaltending, the ownership, you know, bringing in Kessel and trying to get there, the team still for the first time in seven seasons makes it to the playoffs and they get, they get over the hump and they beat the Nashville predators. And now they're going up against the Colorado avalanche. And I think this is the point that I want to make. He's second on that team in playoff scoring just behind Keller. He's averaging over 19 minutes a game on ice. The only player to have more was Derek Stepan because Derek was killing penalties. So he was, he was on the ice a little bit more, but those two forwards are the only two forwards over 19 minutes. So he's playing all the time. He's putting the puck in the net. The problem is Colorado was better and not just marginally better. Colorado was way better. And I think that's the point when you go for these short-term rentals like a Taylor Hall, you look at it and go, okay, are we ready to win the cup? Are we ready to compete for it? Not make the playoffs, not squeak in on the last day of the year. Are we ready to win? Because when you trade away assets for a Taylor Hall, you better be ready to win because he's out the door at the end of the season. And then you're going, now what? And and you could see that against Colorado. That it wasn't even close. I mean, th those games were were 7-2 games, and they were they were done. And you can see Colorado's a team on the rise. That's where I start to go, okay, for short-term rentals, you better be ready to win. This better be your time to shine. Or at least you think you can compete. You can get Claude Giroux in Florida and try to win because they thought they were there, even though you don't. That's the kind of season I think the Coyotes needed to have in order to make a move this large of this magnitude for that big of a player. I think... That's the thing that bothered a lot of fans was it was really exciting to go on a playoff run. It was exciting to land a big name in the in the trade market. All of that is great. Making the playoffs is great. But then I don't think anybody believed in their soul that this was a Stanley Cup contending team necessarily. And like PD said, if you're going to give up a first you're giving up a first round pick, which that was before, by the way, we found out just a few months later that the Coyotes were punished and had their second round pick in 2020 and their first round pick in 2021 taken away for, you know, the combine testing violations. So now you're looking at the their situation thinking, what the hell now? Because there's 
no draft picks, no first round picks. And this clearly isn't a team that's ready to win now. That's why I think a lot of fans today are okay with this level of commitment to the rebuild because we've talked about this again and again and again on this show. There's been so many half-ass commitments to it. And then you have one glimmer of hope and you're like, okay, we're going all in. And it's like, you can't go all in like that. You can't, you can't, you just can't do that. And I think when Taylor Hall came in, it was, it was exciting if you didn't think too deeply about it, but Unfortunately, we saw how things went, um, and now we're back. And that's crazy. That was just three years ago, and now we're in a full-blown, like, blow-up rebuild, and look where that got us. But we're going to dive into the trade itself and the trade tree just a moment. Lucky for us, as we watch this year two of the rebuild, we have an official beer partner to get us through um, so we can drink Four Peaks nightly for pack therapy. We're going to need it a lot this season. Um, and Kicking it all off tomorrow, we'll be at Four Peaks for our last Wednesday of the month, Four Peaks Wednesday. Um, if you mention that you're with PHNX, if you stop by anytime tomorrow, mention you're with PHNX and you can get $3 Kilt Lifter and Wild Pints. You must be 21 or older to drink and enjoy responsibly, but come on down no matter what age you are because there's plenty of great food. We are going to have ASU head coach Greg Powers live with us in our bar studio if you will at noon so stop by he'll be on our show and asu show um, so lots of opportunities to see him there as well and then i'm super excited to use underdog fantasy when hockey season starts because the pick'em game is so so easy and i like not having to make decisions that are harder than higher or lower so the pick'em game on underdog is perfect for me um, I know a lot of people have been using it on football, on baseball. People at our work have been winning tons of money on underdog and you can too. So once hockey season starts, we're going to really utilize underdog, especially the pick em game daily fantasy. So we'll get way more into that. But if you want to tr- get it now and try it out and practice and see what it's all about, Download in the app store or click on the link in our show notes. And if you sign up with the promo code PHNX, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So they're basically giving you free money, which you can then use and practice and win yourself some more money. So that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code PHNX, and get in on the action today. Well, we've talked a lot about just the circumstances and the situation and the outcome but let's yeah. let's get into the nitty gritty of yeah. what else the Coyotes received and what the Coyotes gave up. Um, I'll just read them off, and then you two can pick whichever part you want to dive into. But along with Taylor Hall, the Coyotes acquired Blake Spears, who in two games with the Coyotes had zero points. So maybe not a bonus throw-in at that point. And then to the Devils, the Coyotes gave up Nate Schnarr, no NHL games, eventually traded to Montreal for Andrew Hammond, if we want to go down a little mini trade tree. Nick Merkley played primarily in Tucson um, or sat there because he was injured primarily, had one game with the Coyotes, zero points, went on to play 31 games in New Jersey with 12 points. Kevin Ball has six points in the NHL, the 2020 conditional first round pick turned into Dawson Mercer. Ouch. <clears throat> and yeah, that one that one hurts. 
And the 2021 conditional third round pick was eventually traded on like three times and became Ryder Korzak, who has not played an NHL game. So, sure. so when you look at the pieces that the Coyotes sent, it's really about listen. And I, I know Tim Bernhardt still thinks that Kevin Ball is going to be an effective player. He's 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 something that not a lot of NHL teams have. He's six six. He's big. He's 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 physical. He hasn't really been able to crack it yet, but defensemen take a little longer. So we'll see if Kevin Ball becomes an effective or integral part of New Jersey's defense at some point. Um, but the the one that you mentioned, Dawson Mercer, the first-round pick, I, I think he finished 11th in Calder Trophy voting last season, 7th among rookies in points with, I think, 42. So there, there's a center. I mean, that, that, that's what you need. You need centers in your organization. So he's... He's probably the biggest piece you look at here when you say, oops, maybe we shouldn't have done that because we weren't ready to do that. But a couple things, and you bring up the pieces, and it's always when you're making a trade like this and you're looking into the future, you're trying to use your crystal ball and see what works out. They needed to move Taylor Hall, and they needed to get some return, and this was a trade that allowed for that. You got prospects coming back. You got a six foot five, six foot six defenseman coming in that you said that at the time. You're talking about this is the second-round pick, 55 overall in Kevin Ball, that at the time was still playing in juniors when he got traded. The ceiling was high, and to your point, Craig, he's still playing. I mean, he's this is a guy who's 22 years old right now. Like he's still potentially a guy that could be added to their depth over time. Who knows? Nick Merkley, he's a first round pick, and, and at that time, you still waited for Nick Merkley offensive upside. They kept showing it. He had glimpses. He looked like he could get to the net. Couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't stay healthy. And he kept getting hurt and those injuries kept setting him back. And you never really know. And I don't think we'll ever really know what Nick Merkley could have become um, yeah. because it just, the cards didn't fall right for his career. You know, he's, he's moved over to KHL now. Um, his NHL career is, is all but over. He might've been a good player if everything goes right. And if we've seen over and over again in careers, things don't always go right. Nate Schnarr to me was a guy that was on the fringe. He might be something he might not. He was liked here, but he was an American League player, kind of a throw in at the end of this deal. I don't think he was the big piece that got this over. And then you go back to Dawson Mercer, the first round pick in 2020 that was becomes the first round pick. <sighs> He's going to be an NHL I mean, he plays. He's an NHL player. Is he a first over first round pick at 18? I mean, wait, let's wait and see what he becomes. But this, when you go back and you talk about the strengths of drafts, and that's why the Coyotes have to be excited about 2023 because the strength of the 2023 draft at the top is extremely solid. The 2020 draft was not. It was Alex Lafreniere, Quentin Byfield, Tim Stutzla, Lucas Raymond, Jake Sanderson, Jamie Drysdale. That's your top six. Yeah, Nice players. But they're not game-changing players. I mean, Lafreniere, I think, is going to have a better year. I heard your show on, on the Metropolitan Division. Their expectations are there. But there's no breakout player in the 2020 draft. When you make that trade, you have some inkling of what's going to be there and where you're going to fall. And it, Dawson Mercer was the most successful guy within four or five picks before or four or five picks after. And he's the guy. But he's not that game-breaker. But you had to get something for Taylor Hall. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other narrative that's out there. Um, Taylor Hall was never going to come back to Arizona. Not true at all. Um, they were very deep in in conversations with the Coyotes about him signing a long-term deal here. He was willing to sign here for the right money, of course, for the right deal. Uh, I 
I was in constant communication. I can say this now all these years later. I was in constant communication with Darren Ferris, his agent. They had a meeting in Toronto. I, I met Darren Ferris on the concourse uh, of the arena in Toronto and talked for a long time. I know that they were very serious in talks. But we all know what happened with the Coyotes' front office as well. John Trika left the team. He left the team. So you lost the guy that you were in negotiations with. It was like the Morello group that was coming in and talking. And then then the, you make the decision that you got to go into a rebuild. And Taylor Hall obviously would not fit with what they're doing now. But a lot of things changed, you know, shortly after Taylor Hall came on board. It was wild to see the turmoil in this this organization shortly after that. It's just hard to think about what they gave up. And not that all those pieces were game changers, but when you talk about the prospect part of it, because who knows where those players could be now? Like if let's just say the Coyotes got Dawson Mercer, then he's part of that group that we're talking about. The the Dylan Gunther's Logan Cooley's that group that we're excited about in the future. That's just one more piece that's moving this team closer to, you know, the rebuild being a little bit faster feeling, not that we wanted to be rushed, but that faster feeling. I think that's the hardest part to swallow. Nobody knew at the time too that the Coyotes were going to get their draft picks taken away. I know they ended up getting a 2021 first round pick back um, in the Garland and OEL trade that got them Dylan Gunther in the draft, but it just, you know, this whole the, the whole thing about Trade Talk Tuesday that we've kind of learned over the summer, not learned but realized is just in an ideal world, everything's great, but it's not an ideal world and things no, yeah. happen um, in the ways that maybe you don't expect. So, And the thing yeah. the, you said, right. though, is, is right. Like the, the development path could have been different for Kevin Ball and, and Nick Merkley and HNR if they were to stay here. And we talk about, you know, oh, they had the wrong draft pick and Mitch Marner could have been a coyote. Well, yeah, but who knows how Mitch Marner would have developed here in, in Tucson and who he would have played with and who would Mitch Marner be now if he would have been in that trade? So you don't know these guys. Maybe Kevin Ball is part of the 2022-23 Coyotes and he's on the left side and he's solid and he's a third-pair guy and he's physical and he's just what Bill Armstrong wants. You don't know. So you don't know how these guys are going to pan out. It's just hard to give up a lot of assets for the future when you know you've got or at the time probably have a rental player. But Leah, you said it. Hope is a, is a strange thing. When you're first place in December – People want to win. We talked about it on the Jacob Chickard show. Everybody inside that locker room wants to win. And you see it that close and you don't know when you're going to be in the playoffs again. You haven't been there in seven years and you have an opportunity. Things change. And, and I think that's what happened with this deal. To further your point on some of those, oh, well, what if they had had Dawson Mercer? There's no guarantee that the Coyotes would have even taken Dawson Mercer with that right. pick. So we don't know if he was a Coyote. And, and you can look at his 42 points in his rookie season and say, wow, but dive a little deeper into that. We know what happens often with these high picks when they make the team. He got he was playing in very sheltered minutes, first of all. Like 65% of his zone starts were in the offensive zone. So we'll see if if progress is linear with Dawson Mercer. We'll see if he's the player. But again, the, the, the overriding theme here is the Coyotes weren't ready to make this sort of trade. They were not ready to contend. So why are you bringing in Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall? You basically... Gave up on the rebuild, which we have seen too often here in the past. You 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 took too big a step forward. At least you thought your team was taking too big a step forward. They just weren't ready for these moves. Nope. So we'll talk about we'll we'll come to our conclusion about the winner of the trade 
here in a second. Um, I'm currently, sorry, I haven't really been paying attention to what you just said, Craig, because I've been scrolling foco.com, looking at all the Arizona merchandise. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of Cardinal stuff. Um, I'm seeing some things that I think I'm going to order for my family for Christmas. There's some great Christmas gifts on here, by the way. It's not too early to start thinking about it. October starts this weekend, which is crazy. Um, it, it's fall, but it doesn't quite feel like fall here yet. But when it does, there's a lot of cozy gear on there that I want to check out for myself and my family. Um, and FOCO has you covered with the best Arizona merchandise. They've officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids and everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. This week, they have brand new Cardinals hoodies for all the Cardinals fans out there. It's the ultimate loungewear similar to a Snuggie. Like I said, I just want it to be cold here. I just love being bundled up when it's cold. Head on over to FOCO.com and for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHNX for 10% off. Um, I'm now going to share a story that someone told me in the Discord yesterday, which is that they used game time to buy tickets to the Coyotes home opener at Mullet Arena against the Winnipeg Jets. They bought standing room only tickets. Game time reached out to them, said, hey, there was actually an issue with the seller. They upgraded their tickets from standing room only to regular seats at no extra cost. So <laughs> not only does Game Time have the best and cheapest tickets, they also have amazing customer service, really take care of you. So check out Game Time. Seriously, it's the best way to buy tickets. Buy Coyotes tickets there this season. I promise you, you're going to save money. You can buy Cardinals tickets. You can buy ASU tickets, U of A tickets anything on game time save up to 60 percent when you buy last minute it's crazy but the tickets are actually cheaper the same day so if you're kind of on the fence check out game time um and the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in our description so scroll down in the description of this podcast or any of our podcasts and you can find that link and buy your game time tickets okay well who won the trade <laughs> No doubt in my mind, uh, the New Jersey Devils won the trade. I mean, because you get you get Taylor Hall for thirty some games, and then he's gone, and you you ended up in the the playoff bubble. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the, what did the Coyotes really gain from this? They, they, yeah. they didn't gain a lot. New Jersey got a lot of assets. This the yeah, this one I I want to call it a draw just because it was I'm I'm thrilled the team made the playoffs in 2020, and it was the last games I ever worked for the franchise. So thank goodness it was in the playoffs, and I got to go to the bubble. So selfishly, I'm going to say thank you um, for Taylor Hall getting us and helping us get the playoffs. But you're right. You, you leave three months later, and what do you got? You literally have nothing. So you lost all of these assets. Taylor Hall walks for free, and you're standing there going, whoops, I lost all these assets. So I, you, you can say how they developed in New Jersey or where their upside was or or how they ended up. But if you trade Taylor Hall and at the trade deadline and go, okay, this was a wash, let's get rid of him, get some assets coming back, maybe it ends up differently. But to your point, Craig, it's probably just a little too early to make a run at a player like this and and see what the future holds maybe a, a year or two down the road. Um, I'd like to call it a draw, but I'm going to give a slight edge to the New Jersey Devils. Craig, did we answer all of the questions that you got in that one mailbag question about the Taylor Hall trade? I know you mentioned that on Monday's show that someone specifically asked about this, so I just want to make sure we answered all of the questions they asked. I got to go back because I, you know, there, there was one something that was directed directly at PD, and I, I think we've well, addressed it. But let me look. Go ahead. Yeah, they were talking more about about that. The the did it 
take away opportunities for other players to play. And you were looking at that 13 forward and guys not getting ice time that they were getting prior in the year. And guys like oh, yeah. Christian Fisher were sitting out, Brad Richardson was sitting out. And would they have been better off with those players in the lineup? Honestly, you'll never know. And Taylor Hall is not a player that when you put Christian Fisher and Taylor Hall head to head, unfortunately, they're not the same style player. I mean, the Christian Fisher is not, not going to replace what Taylor Hall could provide you offensively. And we showed that in the, in the, chances for and against column. Um, Taylor Hall needed to be in the lineup every night. Now, does Christian Fisher's career propel differently if he plays in all of those games? I'll never know. Um, I think at that time, Taylor Hall just wasn't a fit in that roster, in that room at that time. He didn't have the players around him to make him Taylor Hall, and Taylor Hall couldn't do it all by himself. That was a team, and you look at successful Coyotes teams through histories are teams that do it with a group of 23, and everybody pulls the rope. 2012 did it with everyone. They didn't do it with one player or two players. They did it with everybody, and I think that's been the success in Arizona. They do it with a group, and I just think it wasn't the right time to have a team led by one player trying to do it by himself. hope that yep. answered it. Yep. Well, that was our final trade talk Tuesday of the offseason because the, the season is ramping up. There's so much else to talk about. I had a lot of fun diving back into these trades. I learned a lot, and it's exciting to think about what we could talk about in the future and hopefully some more Coyotes winning trades. Um, I mentioned hockey's right around the corner. I, we mentioned it at the beginning. The Coyotes play today in Tulsa against the Stars. You can actually bet on this game on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, the Coyotes are underdogs plus 115. Don't know about that. I think a safer bet would be betting on the over or the under. It's set at six right now. You can bet on NHL preseason. It's kind of fun. Um, if you feel like it, you can also bet on NHL futures right now while they're locked in. If you missed our show yesterday, we talked to Aaron Portsline about the Metropolitan Division. So you can do some futures with your free bets that you can get um, when you use DraftKings promotion. So definitely, definitely sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app now if you haven't already. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code PHNX. That's promo code PHNX on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And yes, I won another weenie bet last night. There was an odds boost on DraftKings. That boosted something from minus 250 to plus 100, and I won. So, yay. Always Woo-hoo. winning my weenie bets. We got a fun week ahead. We mentioned Four Peaks Wednesday with Greg Powers. We're off Thursday and then Friday. We're going to do a dual show with CHGO Blackhawks. Oh, shit. Whose situation is worse? So, uh, speaking of the rebuild. Do we get to go to <laughs> Chicago for that? Are they flying us out? No. No. Um, Craig would love that. He can get one of his ketchupless hot dogs, but uh, no. So really looking well, forward to get that. those right around the corner, Leah, at Higley Hot Dogs. <laughs> okay. Not a sponsor. Let's go. Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> no free ads. <laughs> well, I know tomorrow by noon I'll be drinking, so it's all good. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait. If Again, if you're Chicken able tendies. to get off work, if you're able to take a lunch, we're going live at noon tomorrow instead of 11, so it might be a better lunch hour for people. Swing by Four Peaks. Uh, we'd love to see you. And Craig posted his monthly mailbag today. There's always a ton 
ton of great information in there like a lunch if you can think of a question somebody probably asked it and craig answered it so check out craig's mailbag at gophnx.com as well as all of the other amazing articles by craig there we also have sun's media day was yesterday so gerald has coverage of that howard has coverage of the cardinals and their loss on sunday so there's coverage for everyone every sport you can think of in arizona we got you covered at gophnx.com become a member today sign up for an annual membership get a shirt from the locker and join our members only discord we love talking to everyone in there one thing on Craig's article in his mailbag, and I, I'll make it super quick. There's one thing he didn't answer that was a part two of an earlier question. He answered the real serious hockey question, but he did not answer. And I hope he can answer on fun, Friday fun day. So let's put it for all three of us together. You have to do a cross-country road trip in a car with a former and a current Coyote player. Who would you go with? And Craig didn't answer that because he answered the serious question first, and then he got away from the fun. So let's put that away for Friday Funday, tease it, and let's all answer that for Friday Funday. Current and former Coyote in a cross-country road trip. All right. Love it. Uh, anything else from either of you? Okay. Dude, well, let's not forget, by the way, that ASU hockey is getting started as well. So we're, we're going to talk dive deep. And Oh, yeah. yeah. To both of you, well. Trade Talk Tuesday – I had a blast because we got to really go deep into how the current Coyote team got built. And this yeah. was a lot of fun history future. It was a great time going down trade tech Tuesday memory lane. And hopefully we can do it again next, next spring. Next we're going to run out of trades at some point. So. <laughs> Who knows what'll happen this year though. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. It'll all be Bill Armstrong trades. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. AOC hockey is around the corner. Craig and Sean will actually be out at practice today. So follow them on Twitter at Craig S. Morgan and at Sean underscore to pause. We'll also have tons of great coverage from the ASU home opener at Mullet Arena. So follow PHNX underscore Sun Devils as well. I want to give them a plug. You can follow PD at S. Peters Hockey. Follow me at Leah Merrill. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, PHNX Sports. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and like and subscribe, etc. Follow PHNX Sports across all social platforms and please follow phnx underscore coyotes on twitter tell your friends tell your family tell your neighbors we want to hit four thousand followers and if they're a hockey fan if they're even remotely interested in coyotes hockey i promise you it's a fun place to be so follow along with us as we dive into this upcoming season thank you all so much for listening that was our last trade talk tuesday we'll be back tomorrow wednesday with our live show live from four peaks at noon until then enjoy the rest of your day everyone